Well, Pastor Lawrence is out ministering in Indiana this morning, so praying for him, believing for incredible things in ministry there. Uh, but I'm excited for this morning. We are jumping in, and we are talking Third John this morning. Uh, so one of the things that it's important is for us to understand on Third John, it's a short book, but the thing about it is what it brings is really good. I love it. It was written between 60 and 90 A.D., uh, in regards to the hospitality of the church. How many of you guys think that's kind of an important thing for the church to understand is how to be hospitable and how to treat people? I think that's probably a pretty important part of who we are as Christians is knowing how we need to treat people around us. And it goes on and it talks about encouraging him to stay strong in what it is that he believes in the truth that he has in love. So here's the thing. We're going to jump straight in this morning. If you got your Bibles, turn with me. Third John, uh, I'm going to read verses 5 through 10. Uh, and then we're going to break those down for just a minute. But it starts off, it says, Dear friends, you are faithful in what you are doing for your brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way. I love this. Please send them on their way in a manner that is honoring to God. It is for this sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans, we uh, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together in truth. See, I'm going to pause there because there's something I want us to understand about this. When we start talking about how to accept people, love people, I'm not just talking about when service starts and if people come in and you greet people in the lobby. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what this is talking about. It's talking about the way that we interact with people. And I love the portion. It says, hey, they received no help. From the pagans. Let me ask you a question, just to clarify. When we hear things like pagans, a lot of times we don't use that word much anymore. So just in clarity's sake, that would be in reference to people who are non-believers, okay? What we would generally call the world, okay? So these people went and they received nothing from the world around them, and then they came to the church and you loved them and you gave them and you embraced them. Anybody think that sounds a little bit like the way the church should be in the world that we live in? I don't know about you, but how many people do you know that if they could simply come in contact with people who are part of the church and they would love them and they would embrace them, that they might have a different outlook on the church itself? Anybody? There was a study done at Rose State, I'm sorry, not Rose State, OU, um, a few years ago that we went on campus and we walked around. We polled students all over campus and we went and we talked to them and we said, hey, what do you think about God? And I was really amazed at a lot of the feedback that we got because most of the people said they either thought God was judgmental or that he didn't exist or that he just didn't care. That was the majority of people's response. I said, okay, well, tell me, what is it that you think about the church? You know what their response was? They're judgmental. They don't care. And they believe in fairy tales. So I said, okay, if there was anything you could change about your community, what would it be? The three top answers. I love it. I would change the way people view God. I would change the way people view the church. And that we would be more loving to one another. You know, the thing that stood out to me the most was people's perspective of God was based on their experience with the church. And when you ask what it is they would change, it was everything that they had experienced with the church. And let me tell you, if their experience with the church had been different, their perspective of God would have been completely different. 
Because what they wanted, ultimately, was a deeper expression of the loving nature of God. They wanted to be accepted. They didn't want to feel judged. They didn't want to feel like they went into a place that was hypocritical. Now, let me say this, because a lot of times I think we get in this trap when we start talking hypocritical, because, well, I mean, I know what this person did, and this person, I see the stuff they post on Facebook, and, I mean, they're in there worshiping God during service. And let's get real honest for a minute. Nobody goes to an AA meeting like, place is full of a bunch of people without, that are alcoholics. Right? So stop getting mad at the church for being full of people with problems. Okay? And we so often, we come to church, well, I've seen, I saw they flipped me off at the stoplight. Well, did you deserve it? Sorry. <laughs> Secondly, they're human. Okay? Even if you deserved it. They shouldn't have done it, but you know what? We've all wanted to at one time or another. You know, like, let's be honest. It doesn't mean you did it. But it's th this is the thing. Like, we get in the church, and it's like, well, I never have had a bad feeling in my life. You are lying right now. We're human. We have mistakes. We have issues. We have struggles, and all of our struggles are different, but we get so frustrated when somebody else's struggle doesn't look like ours. See, this is the thing about that verse. They received no help from the pagans, but they were loved by you. Continue doing what you were doing. If people could have that mind space, look at Look at where our culture is right now. Look at what's going on in the nation right now. This is a time more than any. People need to see the love and the grace of God. And I had a discussion with a pastor the other day, and we were talking. He's like, you know, we need the love and grace, but we just need the power of God to fall. And you know what? We do. But the truth of it is, until we accurately understand the nature of God, we can't be trusted with the power of God. Because until we understand the loving nature of God, we will misuse and misrepresent the power of God. See, we've got to understand there is more to this than what the church has made attractional, right? Like, and we want the, the amazing, we want the spectacular. But the truth of it is, God doesn't want you to be entertained. He wants depth of relationship, Right? I mean, let me ask you a question, ladies. How many of you like when someone brings you flowers? Anybody? Right? How does it make you feel? Somebody. How does it make you feel when somebody brings you flowers? Special? Appreciated? Loved? Anybody else? Y'all need some flowers in this section. Nobody said anything. Husbands, I'm helping y'all out. All right? But here's the thing. Like, when someone brings you flowers, you feel special. You feel loved. It's great. Why? Because it's an expression that makes you feel good about yourself. Now, let me ask you a question. If every single day you got flowers, and then you walked into your living room, and they were filled with all the old flowers that were dying, you went to the kitchen, and it's covered with all the old flowers that were dying, how special would flowers be? You got to get rid of all these dumb dead flowers now, right? Like, what was special would become frustrating, hear me because there's a point. If all God did was entertain you all of the time, you would never understand the depth of the love. Do you follow me? And the reason there are the spectacular signs, the spectacular wonders aren't because that's where we should live. It's to get your attention 
to bring you to that place of relationship. It's the reason when people first start dating, they'll show up with flowers. They'll try to put on a good front, right? It's like, look, look how great I am, right? And then you really get to know them. I'm just kidding, kind of. <laughs> but you continue that. And, and when it's a special occasion, you do flowers. When it's a special occasion, you do something else. Why? It's, hey, remember, I still love you like this. It's when God shows up in an incredible way that's like, hey, I still want more for you than where you've been. You follow me. And, and it's to get our attention to take us to a deeper place of relationship, not so that we live our lives entertained. Here's the thing that I've learned in student ministry. The more entertained you keep students or people, the more entertaining you have to be to keep their attention. So when we sit back and it's like, God, entertain us. He's like, no, 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 I want, I want substance. I want depth. I want relationship. That doesn't just come from a front. It doesn't come from entertaining. It comes from true relationship. And you see, here's the thing. Relationship is hard sometimes, right? Sometimes it's hard. We see people come in and maybe we go up and talk to us like, hey, how's your, how are you doing this morning? Fine. Okay. Right? Tell the truth. How many of you guys have done that? Right? And it's like, okay, I don't know what to say now. I'm leaving. Right? You know what I've learned? As I've, now, there's a, let me be really clear because there's a weird part to this too. Don't be weird. Okay? But example, in student ministry, sometimes if you go talk to a student and you're like, hey, how's it going today? It's fine. If you just pull a chair up to the table and you start to talk, you know what they do? Nothing. Nothing for like two weeks. And then in the middle of a conversation one week, they completely interrupt you. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, so this happened. And then they don't stop talking for the next six months. Right? But see, here's the thing. Relationships, we want them to just happen. But relationships take work. See, it's the same way with people. When you first meet someone, occasionally, you meet that person. You just talk the whole time. And it's like, man, we were old friends. Right? There's other people you meet. And there's not that immediate just spark of relationship and connection, right? But you invite them to coffee or dinner, and it's the same concept. If you put each other in a situation where now I have to talk to you for an hour, by the end, you realize, man, we had so much more in common than I ever thought we did. Why? Because true relationship requires depth and it requires time, not just flash in the pan entertainment. Hey, I want a relationship with you. I want to be friends. Here's coffee. That's great. You made me feel good, but there's no depth of relationship. This is also why true hospitality isn't just, hey, thanks for coming to church. We're going to have a great service. Here's a mug. Hope to see you next week. No, that's not hospitality. That's things that we've put in place to be a part of a service. Hospitality is when you see someone new in the lobby. Hey, how'd you get here? What's your connection? Oh, you, you just saw us online? Hey, why don't you come sit with me during service? Service is over. Hey, you want to go to lunch with us? We've got some other friends that are going. Guess what? You text them during service. Like, hey, new people, you want to go to lunch? How many of you eat after church? I know you all do, right? Take somebody. It's hospitality. It's simple. We overcomplicate so much. It's like, well, if I'm really going to be like Jesus, I've got to give up this and I've got to give up this. 
Guys, obedience is far better than sacrifice. Stop trying to give up all these things for God so that he'll love you and see how great of a Christian you are. If you would just simply be obedient to the things he's asking you to do, you could probably keep the Dr. Pepper. Trying to help you out. I love Dr. Pepper, so that's my thing on there. Anyway, let's jump back into the scripture for a second. It says, I wrote to the church because... I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know how to say this dude's name, so I'm just going to call him Doritos, okay? Because that's what it looks like, all right? Uh, anyway, um, but Doritos, who loves to be first, I agree with that. I prefer to eat my Doritos first, too. Anyway, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading mal malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he has refused to welcome other believers, he has also stopped those who want, to do, who want to do so and put them out of the church. Now, let me ask you a question because we really have two pictures that are going on here. You have a picture of one group of people who says, hey, look, you didn't know them. You had no reason to love them, but everything that you've done has been an expression of love. That's how you need to act. Now, we've got another group of people, and he doesn't want them there. He has shown no love to them, and in fact, when other people try to, he's begun to condemn them for it. See, my problem is that can often sound a lot like the church. Right? Well, you went to lunch with who the other day? Did you see how they parent their kid? Like, let's just get real for a second, right? Did you see? What they did in the parking lot. Did you hear the music they listened to when they pulled up? Let me help you real quick. That's not up to you. It's up to God. What's up to you is to be the loving, generous example of the heart of God to the people around you and let God work out the other stuff. Because you've got just as much baggage, just as much issue, and the truth of it is we hide it better than other people, so that's why nobody's calling you on it. Just because you hide your sin better than someone else doesn't mean you don't have it. Guys, let's just be open. Let's be honest. Now, I want to be really clear here, too, because I'm not saying it's okay to have sin and they're okay to have sin and we're all just going to be sinful together. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's God's responsibility to prompt you to fix what needs to be fixed. Follow me. And it's not just, hey, God... They've got a problem, so I'm going to pray for their problem. Pray for your own problem. God, what is it that I need to fix in me to be a better loving example of who you have called me to be to the world around me? And if we start to do that, then we really begin to change. Because you know what? Now we don't have a room full of sinful people that's all saying it's okay to sin. We've got a room full of people who are, are all striving to be more like God in everything that we do and live more like Jesus in every conversation. Do you see the difference? Verse 11, last verse from this section. Dear friends, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. I love the wording on this. I'm, see if you catch this. I want to read this last part again. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. See, you've got to be really careful because a lot of times we find ourselves falling into the trap of they're good people and they're bad people. 
It doesn't say those who do evil are sin. It doesn't say those who do evil are the devil's people. It doesn't say those who do evil are not from God. It says those who do evil have not seen God. Stop associating someone's sin with who God's called them to be. Because when we start being able to see them for who God's called them to be, then it's the kindness of God that moves us to repentance. It's the kindness of God that reaches into their situation, says, I don't care what your circumstance is. I don't care what your history is. I've got a destiny for you. And it changes everything about the way we live our life. Because, see, here's the thing, and I referenced flowers earlier, and I did it for a purpose. Because a lot of times we come to church, and it's the place where we come in, and we want God to make us feel good about ourselves, right? We want service to help us comfort us and to help us feel good. Because that's the point of getting flowers, right? Church isn't the place you come for Jesus to give you flowers every week. Church is the place you come for Jesus to deposit seeds, so that when you walk out, you're able to live a flourishing life that then is able to show the expression of the love of Christ to everyone around you. This isn't the place you come to be comforted. This is the place you come to be equipped. See, this is the thing. We come in so often and, well, I don't like that song. I don't like that. That's not my favorite portion of Scripture. Well, I'm not entirely sure what I think about that. You know, what we believe should be dictated by Scripture, not the other way around. We shouldn't decide, well, I'm comfortable with that Scripture, so I'm going to believe this section. I I don't talk about that because I'm really not sure where I land on it. No, no, no. We need to take the fullness of Scripture and decide what we're going to believe. You follow me. And when we get that, when we understand that, it begins to change something about our perspective. And we understand that coming in here isn't just about coming and feeling good and having a great service. In fact, there's a video going around right now on Facebook that uh, I think it was James Brewer posted the other day, shared it to me. But I'll give you the brief idea. Basically, it was we come to worship and we want the song to be our way and this to be our way and that to be our way. But the truth of it is worship's not about you anyway. We're there to worship him. Church is the same way. This isn't the place we come in just to feel good about ourselves. This is the place we come in to be sharpened as iron sharpens iron. I don't know about you, but if you've ever seen someone sharpen iron, it's a tough process. There's sparks that fly. There's sparks that fly. Just because you showed up at church and you clashed with somebody doesn't mean you don't need to come back. That means there may be something God's trying to iron out and he's trying to work out between you and that person and you need to go back and you need, you need to get to the place of understanding that, hey, there are people God's called me to that the devil wants to sift me from. And just because I clashed with that person doesn't mean I can't talk to them. Don't let their situation dictate what you're going to receive from God. Do you hear me? So often we get to this idea, well, they offended me. I'm not going to be a part of this, or I'm frustrated with this, or I'm angry about this, so I'm not going to show the love of God to the people around me. Your frustration should not dictate the amount of love you're able to express. That's the reason, hear me, this is something I've been trying to work on with our son. When you go up and you ask, apologize and with our boys, we have them apologize, and then we always have them say, okay, I forgive you. And we try to teach them the 
idea of forgiveness. It's not just I go apologize. Because, see, when I take one of my boys and they hit the other one. This happened the other day um, because they love each other. So they hit each other. So it's like, all right, go apologize to your brother. I'm sorry. Like, no, that's not an apology. I said I was sorry. Like, it's the attitude, <laughs> what you said. Like, and then get a kid to understand, like, no, it's the way you said it. Right? Just because you said the right things doesn't mean you said the right thing. Just because we can quote the scriptures doesn't mean we're living the life the way the scripture says. Do you hear me? Because see, then we go and we say, okay, he did this to you. Now it's time for you to forgive him. Well, but it still hurts, but I'm still angry. Yeah, I understand that. But the reason we forgive isn't because what he did was okay. The reason we forgive is because what they did isn't going to control me. See, and when we understand that, and forgiveness really is more about freeing you from what they did than excusing them from what they did. And when we understand that God has called us to walk in a place where we're not just bound up by all the things we don't like, all the things that have done us wrong, and it really is about understanding the grace and the mercy of God that frees us from every one of those situations and circumstances, we're able to then live a life full of the grace and power of God. Because, it, let me put it this way, anybody ever... I know we're all adults, and it's going to sound childish. Tell the truth anyway. Everyone to go somewhere, and like, well, who's going? Pfft, I'm not going. Right? I know you've done it. Don't lie. I'm not even going to make you raise your hands, but I know you know. All uh huh. I'm not pointing people out. Somebody was just like, don't worry. <laughs> I don't actually know everybody. But here's the thing: we do that, right? Why? Because your frustration with that person now dictated where you were going to go and how you were going to live your life. The reason we forgive is not because, well, they're going to be there. I can't be there. It's like, no, I don't care if they're going to be there. I'm going to be who God's called me to be. And I'm going to go where God's called me to go regardless of who's there, whatever situation, circumstance I've walked through. That's the freedom that comes through the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Do you follow me? Romans 2.4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? It's important, really important that we understand this because we can't truly communicate the nature of God until we understand the heart of God. And the heart of God is to embrace you right in the middle of whatever junk you're going through at the moment and to bring you out of that because he sees the potential that's inside of you. We can't communicate that to a world around us when we're too hung up on the things that they've done wrong. We've got to see them for who God's called them to be. It's like this. Imagine for me, anybody, well, here, let me put it this way. Anybody ever get a flat tire on the highway? Right? So my wife got a flat tire on the highway. This was several years back. And she called me. I've got a flat I'm on I-44. I'm like, okay, I'll come. So I drive up. I get out, and it's like the wind is blowing. Her car, the side is like about half the size of an actual car to pull off the road. You guys know what I'm talking about? I'm like, Oklahoma, help me out, right? So I'm trying to fix her tire, and my pants rip, right? It's a wonderful day, 
And then I get her little, her jack out, and it's one. You guys seen those ones with a real long skinny pole? It's not like a man jack. It's like jack, and it like lifts the whole car up. It's this little woman jack that like, right? That's what you got to do to get up. You're like standing on the side of the road. My pants are ripped, and I'm like, hang on, honey. Right? And I'm trying to get us fixed and trying to get everything taken care of, and cars are zooming by, and I'm like, really? Somebody help us? She had been there for like 45 minutes, and nobody wanted to help. See, I, I think we as Christians do this a lot. We drive by, and imagine for me that you're in a car full of spare tires, a whole truckload, and we pull up beside somebody who's stopped on the side of the road. It's like, man, you got quite the problem. You know, if you had one of these spares, you wouldn't be stuck on the side of the road. Instead of getting over, getting out, and helping them fix their situation, we want to pull up with all the answers, all the help to everything they're walking through and be the voice to say, man, hate to be you right now. Let's be honest. Because that really is the way we approach most things in life. Man, you're walking through this? Good thing I'm a Christian because I don't have to deal with stuff like that anymore. Who's that going to help? I'm just telling you, if I'm fixing a tire and somebody pulls over, like, look like you got a problem. I got a spare that'd fix it. Wish you had it, don't you? I'd throw a tire iron at you. I'll pray for forgiveness later, but I'm chunking that iron. Why do you think the world views the church the way it does so often? Because that's our approach. See, if you pull over and you get out and you say, hey, what's the problem? And you help them where they are, all of a sudden, the story isn't from I saw this jerk on the side of the road to you will never believe what happened to me today. See, when the world can start walking through life and every time they go to a grocery store, you will not believe what happened to me today. When they go to the gas station, you will not believe what happened to me today. Somebody actually paid for my gas. I don't even know who it was. I'm in Starbucks, and hey, somebody bought, somebody bought my Starbucks. You can get in a lot of trouble doing that at Starbucks. Let me just tell you real quick. I've done that before. Okay, I'm going to get the guy behind him. Are you sure? Yeah. That'd be 30, like, they've got like 37 drinks, and I'm like, Okay. Right? Like, be careful where you do that and make sure it's God's prompting. You're not just trying to do it on your own. It's that whole obedience and sacrifice. You get yourself in trouble. Anyway, but be obedient. But if you went to the grocery store, and we've done this. Me and my wife have been at the grocery store and just felt like, man, I really feel like God wants us to help this lady. And you buy the groceries. Do you, do you realize? I don't have to give them a Jesus track. I don't have to buy their groceries and let me walk you down Romans Road. No. I can't just pay for your groceries. That's it. But you didn't share Jesus. You, I paid for the groceries. That was it. Do you hear me? Like, stop overcomplicating it. Stop thinking you've got to make everything a sermon. If you live your life like a sermon, you don't have to preach it. Because then what happens is then the lady's like, why did you do that? God told me to. Huh? And that's a lot better explanation than let me force what I believe on you. 
because now they're intrigued on why someone would be so generous and so loving, and you can explain, because that's simply the nature of the God that I serve. And when we begin to walk in that, it changes our perspective. Mark Twain said it this way, kindness is the language that the blind see and the deaf hear. If we learn to speak kindness in everything that we do, I promise you it will transform the way we view and live our life completely. John 3, 17, we, like to jo- we love to quote John 3, 16, right? Everybody knows that. For God so loved the world, right? But John 3, 17, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save it through him. It's our kindness to the world that opens the door for God to step into their situation. Stop judging people for where they're at. Stop judging people for what's going on in their life. And if we can simply say, this is the nature of the God that we serve, then all of a sudden people's lives begin to be transformed because it's the kindness of God that leads them to repentance. It's not your eloquence. Let me help you really quick because there's some of you, like you need to get what I'm saying today because it's not your elegant words. Thank God for some of us. I'm with you. Doritos, remember? Yeah. It's a good thing I don't have to be able to speak well all the time to get things right. It's a good thing my life doesn't have to be perfect to get things right. I simply have to be obedient to what God's asked me to do. Here's the cool thing. If we'll simply obey, God opens doors that you could never have opened on your own. We simply step out and try to do what God's called us to do. Things begin to happen that you look at and think, well, how is this even possible? Let me give you an example. We talked about the, the student conference that we have coming up in October. We've tried. This is our fourth year doing this. We've tried to get kids from Dell City High. Like, man, we've gone. We've given out free tickets. We've promoted. We've tried to get them to come to this conference, and we get a handful. And then we got this really awesome God idea. And instead of us trying to go make everybody come here, we said, hey, we called the district and said, hey, I know you guys have a leadership program. I need 100 students to come greet people when they come in. We'll give them community service hours. It's two days. They'll get their entire year of community service in one weekend. You know what the school said? Do you want other schools to be involved in this? (laughs) I'm not kidding. We called about one. They offered two more. Why? Because you don't have to try to make something happen. You can simply be obedient to what God speaks. You know, I dreaded that conversation for three weeks. I'm like, I'm not going to call us. They're not going to be like, yeah, we'll send people to your conference. Like, Really? I didn't even finish the conversation, and they were offering more schools. It's because God's doing something. Not just in students around here, but God's doing something in the community around here. He's doing something in the city around here. And it comes from us caring, the loving nature of God that opens the doors for those things. People often ask, you know, what, if the church was gone tomorrow, would the community know? I can promise you our community would know. Our city would know. (laughs) Because there is a lot that we do as a church We serve, we give away, we're a part of the Christmas tree lighting that 
That may not sound like much, but you've got a community that says, hey, we're doing a Christmas tree lighting. You know what? We want God to be a part of it. We can't say that as a, as a community. So will you guys come in and bring the Jesus element to an outreach that we're doing? By the way, we're going to give away toys and books to over 200 students that you get to be a part of. Those are just some of the things that God's given us entrance in. It's the reason when we say, hey, we're building for what God's growing us to. Because we have no idea what God's growing us to. But we already can't contain where he's already blessed us. Do you follow me? Like when we begin to understand, like we need to get this kids area done because we've got like 20 kids in one room over here. For those of you who don't have little kids right now, how many of you in here have had little kids at one time or another? If we didn't have that classroom, there'd be 20 of them all over this floor, and we'd love them. But there ain't no church going on, right? Get out. Stop. Wait. Get off the microphone. Wait. Down. Nope. Right? You see, a, when you pick up your kids, hug a kids worker. <laughs> They're the real MVP right there. But the thing is this. It's a generation of kids that God's bringing up, and they're powerful. Because I can walk over there, I can step into the kids' ministry, and I can hear them praying for people. I can hear them learning about who God is. My kids come home, and they talk about stories, and hey, there was this person in the Bible, and he was married, Abraham and Sarah. Did you know their names weren't Abraham and Sarah before they got introduced to God? Like, once they met God, he changed their name, and I'm like, you're seven. <laughs> but it's because there's something being instilled in them that takes them to another level. Why is that important here? Well, this is the adult church. No, no, no. We are the church, and what's happening over there affects what happens in here. Yeah. What happens at this student conference affects what happens in here because we are all part of who God's called us to be as an expression of the loving heart and the loving nature of God. And I want to encourage you, as you leave today, we've got a sign-up table in the back for a conference, and there's a little bucket with these little bitty stones in it. Grab one on your way out. There's 400, to be exact. Every one of these little rocks represents a student who came to conference last year. Take that. Put it in your cup holder. Put it somewhere, honestly, that will frustrate you so that you see it and you can pray for them. Every time you see it. The reason I say put it in a place that will frustrate you is because right now we have a generation of young people that most people look at as one of the most frustrating generations that have ever walked the face of this earth. They're entitled. They think everything needs to just be handed to them. None of them want to work hard for it. And you know what? They're okay with that. But you know what I say about this generation and what I've seen about this generation is that's not true at all. They are the most cause-driven generation that has ever walked the face of this earth. They want to be behind anything and everything they can find. And if we can give them the right cause, they will be the most, gen most dangerous generation that's ever faced anything the devil's thrown at them. But they've got to find the purpose. They've got to find the right fit. Just like we've got to find our right fit. And it's not coming in, it's not being judgmental, it's not being like, okay, let's cater this to me. No, it's coming in and saying, God, who do you want me to be? And understanding that there's something that God's releasing. 
over everybody in this place. If we get the loving nature of God, it helps us live lives with happier families, with happier jobs. I, anybody ever been to Chick-fil-A? The food's great, but I like going because I love the people in the drive-thru. I don't care how bad your day's going. Go to Chick-fil-A. Those people are amazing. It's because it's a culture that they've created. I can promise you half of them are faking it. But I would rather be around people who are faking it than people who are genuinely miserable. There's something about our attitude that it's the song we sang earlier. It's in the middle of my storm. I'm going to continue to worship. It's I'm going to shout till the walls come down. It's in the middle of whatever I'm facing. I'm not giving up. We call it faking it. I call it pressing through. Whatever you're facing right now, whatever your situation, let's, let's be the generous people that God's called us to be. Let's carry the hospitality and the loving nature of God to the world around us. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're in here today and you say, the truth of it is I have really have lived more consumed with myself. And today I need to walk in the loving, generous nature of God. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. God, I pray right now for every person who lifted their hand, God, that we would understand the place of love that you have called us to live from. God, that you truly would transform our lives, that we would look more like you in every situation, every circumstance. We would give, you would give us your patience, your kindness, and your love, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.